0: I'm really excited because I have, you know, been working on this series, I would say for the better part of just formulating my ideas. I don't know. I was with Pastor John maybe two and a half, three months ago in my office talking about doing this series, and I've been working on this for three months, so I'm locked and loaded. And you guys are half asleep, but that's all right. Praise God. I just preach louder when you guys are are tired. Praise God. But here's what I want to do. I want to pray. And I want to just share some thoughts with you from the word of God and what he has placed on my my heart. And, And we're going to let God speak to us today. Amen. Come on, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time of worship. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you are doing. But, Lord, I want to thank you in advance for what you're going to do, for what I'm believing that you're going to do, for what I'm believing that you said you would do, the outpouring you would have on our church this year. As we pray, as we fast, as we give, we're believing, God, that we will see a hundredfold what we sow into the kingdom. We're believing, God, that every person who stretches this year, we're going to see God move in their families' lives like never before, in their homes. But as we go forth in your word today, God, that you would open our hearts, that you might have your way in Jesus' name. We pray, and the church says, Amen. You know, I wanted to start this year by challenging your faith. I wanted to start this year by challenging every aspect of your foundation in Jesus Christ. I wanted to start this year by challenging and testing you And getting you to analyze every area of your own walk with God, because sometimes self-inventory is the greatest way to tell where you are really at in your relationship with God. It's easy to sometimes go through the motions, but how do you really know where you're at with God? Me and my wife were, I don't tell my business like that, and I don't share this to tell my business, but me and my wife were in the process of looking for a home to buy, and We've been house shopping for some time, and I act like I know what I'm doing, but I really don't. It's all right. I watch the, you know, HGTV channel, so I think I know what I'm doing, praise God. But you know one of the first places I always want to check? I want to check the basement. I want to see if there's water in the basement. I want to see if there's cracks in the foundation, because it doesn't take a... Scientists to realize that a crack in the foundation isn't going to be good. And I've been to some Bridgeport basements and they're just not good. Patched up to kingdom come, it looks like somebody just took a shotgun and just shot through the whole, like Swiss cheese in that place. I don't care how nice the house looks, if the foundation ain't right, I'm not going to buy it. And if I, who I am not an inspector, I can see that this foundation is no good I know if I pay an inspector 500 bucks to come in and inspect the place, he's going to tell me, Mr. Burgos, this place is no good. And so how do we as a church inspect our foundation in Jesus? And so I want to categorize our foundation in two places because we live in a day and age where there's very two extremes in the church. And by the church, I'm not talking about just citywide. I'm talking about worldwide. Amen. Amen. Talking about the body of Christ, there's two different types of people. And I wanted to ask you over the next four weeks, is your relationship with God deep or dope? Is your relationship with God deep with a firm foundation? Is your relationship with God really grounded and rooted in the Word? Is it grounded in prayer? Is it grounded in fasting? Or is it just dope? I have a good, casual, fun time with God. My church is really fun. It's really cool. I serve. I do this. It's laid back. It's just relaxing. Or is your relationship with God deep because you have a foundation rooted in God? Or do you serve and do things in church to make up for the fact that you have no depth to your walk with God? I fear that many Christians replace their work with their walk. We've taken the work we do for the church and replaced it with our walk with God instead of understanding that our work is a byproduct of our walk. Is your relationship deep or just dope? Is the God you serve profoundly changing your life? Or is he in the back seat chilling with you? Who is Jesus to you? Is he the son of God who demands change from your life? Or is he just saving grace to let you live how you desire? Who is Jesus to you? Does your walk with God go beyond a verbal confession? Does your walk with God go deeper into the recesses of your soul to let God change you over the course of your life? Nothing frustrates me more than to see and be in contact with Christians who have been in the church three to five years struggling with the same demons they walked in with. If that's you, your relationship is just dope. Because the true foundational process with God means that God has to dig out some things in your life and uproot some things and take out the things that don't please him in order that he might pour a foundation that will stand the test of time. For when it stands the test of time, you can go through trial and tribulation. And it's clear to me that looking at scripture, Jesus was concerned with how people respond to his teaching. Did you know that? Jesus was concerned With how people would read what he said, and then he was concerned with what they would do with their lives after they had come in contact with what he said. I'll prove it to you. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, everyone then who hears these words, and he goes on to tell a story. Everyone who hears these words, he's trying to build this sense of responsibility for what he has been teaching them. You see, in in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus starts his inaugural sermon, as many call it, and it's entitled Sermon on the Mount, we call it. If you've been in church for some time, you might have heard the sermon, somebody say, on the mount. And in this sermon, Jesus really gives a lot of just life-changing. If you read Matthew 5 through 7 and you apply it, your life will never be the same. You will not be the same person. He talks about the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for right. He goes all through all the blessings, the Beatitudes. He talks about being salt and light of the world. We heard many sermons on being salty for Jesus. Amen. Being the light of the world, no one puts a light. And lights it in a room and then puts it under a bowl. No. He talks about Jesus being the fulfillment of the law. Not that he's there to do away with it. He talks about not murdering. He talks about his view on adultery. He talks about how he talks. He says, you've heard it said to hate your enemy, but I say to love your enemies. This is the sermon where he, he gave the whole, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, turn the other cheek. This is that very sermon he talks about being there for the needy and for the fasting. This is the sermon where Jesus is like, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Matthew six thirty three, and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus has given a whole four-week series in one sermon. He's covered, like, everything. He covers everything, and he's like, this is what you have to do. This is how you have to live. And then Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7. He's closing up all of his thoughts, all from chapter 5 to chapter 7. He closes it up, and he says this, and I pray you you hear the Spirit of God today. Everyone, then, who hears these words of mine and does them, somebody say does them, will be like a wise man. Who built his house on the rock. I'm in Matthew 7, 24. He'll be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and they beat on that house. But it did, somebody shout, not fall. Because it had been founded, somebody say, on the rock. But Jesus goes on. He doesn't stop there. Jesus was never kind of the stopping in the middle kind of guy. He always went all the way with it. He always gives two sides to every coin. And he says, but those who, who fail, those who hear my words but does not do them, he would be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell. And then listen to this. Great was the fall of it. Great was the fall. And so Jesus has summed up this immense sermon that he has preached. He's This immense, powerful sermon that he's preached. And people, the Bible says at the end of the sermon, people were amazed that Jesus spoke as one who had authority unlike all the preachers and teachers of his time. And people were blown away. But Jesus says, it's not enough to be an ooh and a wow. It's those who do what I say and live by how I have taught, you are wise. But those who do not, you are foolish. He was preaching these words of life, these words from the mouth of the Father, and he says to them, I have a purpose for you, and this is what it is. And he teaches them all these things of how to correct wrong living. Do you understand that most of what God wants to do is correct wrong living? But, but this, it amazes me that these two different types of people, the wise and the foolish, they have more in common than they do apart. They have more in common than differences. They both heard the teaching of Jesus. Both were listening. Both had a hunger for God because they stayed the entire sermon, and it was a long sermon, and they listened. And they heard Jesus out. Both of them had taken the initiative to go where Jesus was because the crowds followed Jesus. He was not in a city. He was in The middle of nowhere on the side of a little hill and he climbed the top of the hill to be able to teach the people. He was far outside the city, but both of the people took the initiative to go see him. After hearing the teaching of Jesus, both men were pressed with the thought and the need to build a house or a shelter. And understand the word house in this context is your life. It is your life, how you live out your life. Is it going to be on the rock or on the sand? They both felt the need to build the house. In other words, our our house represents our response to God's word. It's how we respond. Continuing on, both builders experienced a storm. And the scariest part to me is that both builders sat in their house feeling secure. Both builders thought, I'm good, I got this. I'm okay. But Jesus makes the point that there was a difference in that one of them built with the wrong type of thing under them, the wrong, somebody say, foundation. <clears throat> he makes it clear that one Put his word into action while the other didn't put it into practice. They put it into memory. Here's my first point for you, church, today. It's not enough to hear God's word. You have to heed God's word. To hear something means to audibly perceive it, but to heed something means to listen to it and follow the instruction it has given. It is not enough just to hear God, but you have to heed God's voice. You have to heed the master's warnings. You have to do as he declares in your life. These two builders... One responds to God's life-giving word, and one does not respond. He continues to live his life as always. He lives his life on his work, what he does for God. He lives his life based on maybe what he gives. He lives his life based on his I'm-a-good-person life philosophy. He lives his life according to a culture. He doesn't go according to the word of God. Well, I don't know. The Bible's outdated. No, the Bible's not outdated. Man is getting turned. Too good for themselves and the Christian who doesn't build on Christ is building on a foolish foundation have you ever walked on the sand it shifts under your weight and Jesus says anybody who builds a house on sand what is sand sand is is your own ideas of what God should be like. I love it when, well, I don't think God when people say that. I don't think God, God don't care what we think. I'm telling you the truth because God is and God cannot be changed. And either we align with who that God of the Bible is or we have to tell ourselves we are not followers of Christ. There's no in between. I know maybe you wanted to come here today and hear it really uplifting. I'm going to go all year long, but I want to set your foundation right. And nothing like a real estate agent who wants to sell you a nice house with a bad foundation. You won't trust him again, would you? But I want to be the pastor that teaches you how to heed God's word scripture today is an epidemic it's this this scripture that we see is an epidemic in church because people build their life you, you know, it, it amazes me how many Christians I ask them have you prayed today oh no not yet what do you mean yet have you read your bible this week oh not yet what do you mean it's Friday are you waiting for Saturday what are you waiting for What what is the malfunction in the life of a Christian that we're not even Christ-like? Oh, I can hear a pin drop here today. It sounds like y'all eating. Mm. Mm. Uh. I know y'all fasting, so you might be hungry. Praise God. There's two builders, two builders. The wise builder began to practice the teaching of Jesus. Too many believers today, we do not conform to God's word. i go a step further. We're not transformed by God's word. I'm going to take it a step further. All y'all want is spiritual foreplay, no intimacy. You don't want God to really just change your heart and life. You just want God to, hey, boo-boo, hey, I love you. You're going to be all right. It's going to be fine. But you can live your life how you want. No. Jesus wants to change your heart. Jesus wants to radically change your life. He wants you to come in one way and leave out different because you've experienced a life-giving, transforming, potentially powerful God who will never leave you forsaken. Who will never leave you the same. We come for a good time rather than a God time. We want that emotional high. Oh, I was going through so much, but man, I stepped into God's house and now I'm fine. But you're still going to face the situation when you leave. What did God equip you with so you can leave and face it? Do you not realize that every time you hear God's word, you are responsible to live according to it? Do you not realize that every time I preach a sermon to you, that you are now spiritually responsible because now you have understanding and you are no longer ignorant? Do you understand? Do you not realize that as we hear the word, we cannot claim ignorance anymore, but we are responsible for our response to God's word. Jesus referred to them who build their house on his teachings as wise. He referred to those who can hear his word but not change as foolish. Which one are you today? He referred to those who know God's word but continue on living in sin, living in complacency, living in in, in just judging others and living in adultery and bound by worry, anxiety, bound by judgmental spirits and gossiping hearts and bound by hating the brothers of Christ, bound by holding grudges. You are the foolish one by holding these things. And not letting God change you. Yesterday I had to go to the doctors because I was, I was feeling sick for six, seven days. And finally my wife texted me, because you need to go to the hospital. And I was having these pain right here. And I'm always a worst case scenario kind of guy. And I was like, I'm not going to get checked out at the hospital because I might have a tumor behind my eye. This is not going to be good. <laughs> Y'all laughing at me. I'm so dead serious. I was like, six days. I'm like, nope, I got a tumor. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm not getting checked out. And it was excruciating pain. Like it would cause nausea and vomiting. And, and I was having a rough week. And this past Saturday, I, not yesterday, the week before, I ended up just puking in my real estate agent's car. He didn't pull over in time. It was his fault. I told him, praise God. And I, I went to the hospital. And, and the doctor says, she, after I told her all my symptoms, she said, man, it's probably your glasses. I'm like, what? My glasses, What? And she's like, are you nauseous? I'm like, yeah. She goes, oh, that's not your glasses. I'm like, oh, no, God, why? Por que Dios? And so she made me take a CAT scan. And, you know, hospital CAT scans take 30 hours. And so I was there for some time. And I'm I'm sitting there trying to keep my mind off of the fact that I probably have a brain tumor growing in my brain. And she says to me, you know, she calls me over and she's looking at me like, hey. I'm like, she's smiling, so I'm not going to die. This is good. I mean, I'm going to be all right. And, and she tells me, you know, it's not your glasses. I'm like, okay. She goes, it's not a tumor. I'm like, okay. She goes, you have a pretty brain. I'm like, I know. I was like, what's wrong? And she goes, you have an infection in the bones of your sinuses. Now, that same thought process is the same thought process you should feel and hear and say when you come to church and hear about sin she says to me, I'm going to give you a prescription. How stupid of me would it be to say, nah, I'm good. I got this. I mean, how kind of dumb would that be for me to be like, nah, I'm not going to take that antibiotic. That's going to stop this pain. And I don't want the painkiller that will help me sleep. Don't need it. I'm good. I got this. And it only sounds funny until some of us realize that that's what we do in God's presence. He takes a spiritual cat scan and he says, "Man, you've got adultery. Man, you got you just have a nasty attitude. You're just a nasty, mean person. It's not that you have a face; it's your face is because the inside, your the face here reflects the heart. It's, It's you're mean. You're rude. It's not that you don't click with people because I made everybody." It's because you have a nasty spirit. God's spirit is for everyone. So if you get God's spirit in you, you will be for everyone. But when you are saved but not for everyone, you got some spiritual cascading to do. And you're like coming into God's presence. So oh, I know it's wrong, but I'm not going to change it. Foolish. How foolish would I have been? I took those, prescri- I ran to the, to the pharmacy. This going to help me. I ran. If only we would run to God's presence when we knew something was wrong. If only we would run to our knees in prayer. If only we would seek the Father. He said, anything you ask for my name in prayer that is in my will. And trust me, it is in God's will to remove sinfulness. It is in God's will to remove unrighteousness. It is in God's will. But we say, God, is it in your will for me to get that car? He's like, forget the car. How about the calloused heart? Oh, God, I really need this job. Forget the job. What you really need is to get rid of that adulterous spirit. Oh God, I really, please God, I need a wife. You can't even be loyal to me, something you can't see. How are you gonna be loyal to something you can see? Oh God, I want that house. You don't even know how to walk into my house living right. Come on, church, let's, let's take the first week of the year and let's be a hundred. That's ghetto for let's be real. Let's just be raw. Let's be honest. Let's open our hearts and say, God, here I am. The wise builder heard the words of Christ and he acted on it. The foolish builder, he was all right. He was good. Can I tell you something? I don't want to pastor a church of people who hear God, but heed God. I want to pastor the church of people who listen to God. I'd rather have 50 people who listen than 500 who want to live raucously and wild in the world. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Jesus is giving out life-giving things in chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew. The wise builder hears the word, he acts on it. The foolish builder, he doesn't. He heard it, but he didn't trust in God. He didn't heed the word of God. Instead, he trusted in his own goodness, his own merit, his own things. He loved the world too much to be able to love God. For the Bible says, if the love of the world is in you, the love of the Father cannot be in you. And the world, he's not talking about worldly things. He's talking about an attitude, a spirit that is averse against God's will. Not talking about physical worldly things. I, I know a lot of pastors. I had a pastor a couple months ago put some nasty stuff on Facebook talking about other pastors. So I inboxed him and he was talking about things of the world. Why does the church have color lights if it's of the world? And I, I asked him I asked him if he had electricity in his house. <laughs> because it's pretty worldly. <laughs> I'm not kidding with y'all. I really did ask him that. And I told him, you know, to help, because I wanted to tell him that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He didn't say what color light he was. He said, Why do churches use haze machines? He put that on his post, and I wanted to tell him the Bible says in, in Isaiah chapter 6 that when he entered the throne of God, there was massive smoke all around the place. I I, I just want to tell him. I don't want to put him down like that on public. I tried, he blocked me. So I went on his website and I text him. I just, I'm like, dude, are you serious? We're supposed to be peers. What are you doing here? What are you doing? I'm not talking about that world. I'm not talking about the physical world. Y'all think passes the G? I know I am. I'm telling you, man. Track that. Knocked on his door. What are you, why'd you block me? Not I'm just playing. But, but true story. And they, they get that world. That's all wrong. What it means is it's a spirit that is against God's will. That's what it means when it says the world. A spirit, somebody say, against God's will. You see, the the, the foolish person, the power of the message that Jesus preached was transient. You know how a transient person will come and they'll go. The, 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 The power of God to him was, somebody say, transient. They had a moment where the spirit of God gripped them and spoke deep into their inner man, but yet after they left There was no lasting effect because they never let it take root. In order to change according to God's word, it means that some people have to admit that they're wrong and their way of life is is not right. And that's impossible for many people this day and age when you find so many people who want to agree with you. You know know how you know somebody knows they're wrong? (laughs) When they put it on Facebook to get somebody to like it. Oh, see, somebody does agree with me. No, you're wrong. Look at the people. Listen, look at who's agreeing with you. Look at them. Look, look. Backslidden. Terrible parent. I mean, you can go out on the line. Look at this person. No, but is God agreeing with you? Changing according to God's word and the teaching of Jesus means abandoning years of who we thought we were. Years of comfort of being mean and nasty and being rude and sinful. Is your relationship with God deep or just dope, church? Do you have a real foundation? Or is it a fun time? Do you have a transforming power of God in you without crutches rooted in your past? Is your relationship with God deep or just dope? Are you rooted in the faith, grounded in his word? Or are you having a good casual relationship with God? Are you here for good music and cool lights? Or are you here... For the one light who's like music to your soul. What are you, what, what are you here for? Are, are you here to see yourself changed and, and then changed? Do you know why churches don't grow? Many churches, besides the fact they have terrible programming and, and just they can't preach. No, I'm being serious. It's an it's a, it's a epidemic in, in, in our area. But because, here's why many churches don't grow. Because the church is too busy getting saved every Sunday. And how can God build on a foundation that has no depth? I'm going to leave that alone. <clears throat> to all my visitors, I love y'all. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Praise God. They're like, why did I come today? <laughs> Wrong day to come. <laughs> Proverbs 29:18, a powerful verse. It says, but when the people do not accept divine guidance, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. When the people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. True life begins when you push past just believing the word and then start putting it into action. It's not enough just to believe. I'll prove it to you. Satan believes God's word. It's not enough to believe and not practice God's word. You have to believe it, then achieve it in order to understand that salvation comes not through our works... We're not achieving God's word to gain salvation. We are saved purely by grace. But as a byproduct of being saved, our life changes. Thus, the Bible says we end up with the fruit of the spirit, but fruit only comes when you plant seeds. And the seed is righteousness. It is right standing with God. It is right living with God. It is the word of God. The word of God that changes your heart in your life. If you can come into church and walk out the same way, you've got a problem. For even Jesus said in John 13, 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Not if you Facebook them. Not if you repeat them. Not if you shout amen to them. You'll be blessed if you do it. Is your relationship with God deep or dope? That's pretty cool. I'm just saying. <laughs> Shout out to AJ. Is it, is it grounded in God? Like, I don't care if you're ushering today. You should be hearing me. I don't care if you're on sound today. Is your relationship deep or just dope? Ask yourself God, what, what am I? Here's point number two God's word is life to those who live it. God's word is life to those who live it. God's word does not mean death to us, although it will bring an end to ungodly things. It'll bring death to sinfulness in your life. It'll bring death to the spirits in your life that are against you, but it'll bring the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. The, the, The word of God will strengthen you. It'll help you stay away from the things that so easily beset you and the sins that entangle you. God's word is somebody say life. You know the psalmist says in Psalms 119 verse 105 it says your word is a lamp unto my feet. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. It is a somebody say a light unto my path. This tells me something. The psalmist understands That in order to have a lamp on your feet, you must be walking in complete and utter darkness. You must be in utter darkness to understand that you are completely in darkness. And he says, Your word is like a lamp unto my feet that I can see where I am going, that I will not stumble, I will not fall. I will, oh wait, there's a sinfulness right there. That person's not for me. I will walk in the way that God wants me to. Your word is a lamp unto my feet that I can walk righteous before you, that I can stand holy before you, that I can be the righteous of God, and I will not put in the shame. Because Because I am living the way God wants me to live. He said, It didn't say that your word is like a light to my eyes to blind me and to be offensive to people and to be like, You are not godly. You're going straight to hell. You right there, Carlos Coraz. You ain't no minister. You're this, you're that. No, it's a lamp to my feet that I can know where I am going. That I can see the goodness of the Lord. That I can say, God, you are sparing me through every trial, every tribulation. You are coaching me through it. Your word is a lamp. Your word is somebody shot a lamp. Psalms 43.3 declares, send me your light, O Lord, your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to the holy mountain. It is the light, the word of God, the very word of God that is a light to you. and It is a foundation for your life. Are you living in a deep place or a dope place? Is your relationship with God, is, is, is it really guiding you? Is the word leading you or are your worries leading you? Is his love embracing you or is his love continuously chasing you because you run? Deeper dope. Do you put into practice what he says? Do you take the words we preach in this church and do you put them into your heart and you practice them? Or do you just, oh, that was fun, and go on and live your life the same old way? Church, we've we got to reject this brand of Christianity that allows you to have no roots in Jesus Christ you got to reject this brand of Christianity that allows you to come in the church and have no conviction of the, of the sinfulness of our lives. We have to reject this spiritually casual style of relationship with God that removes the fear of the Lord from your life and lets you live as you desire. I'm not talking about casual dressing. I'm talking about casual in the heart approaching God as any old thing. Because yes, boldly, I come before his presence, but it is, I'm coming boldly because I know I'm coming correctly. I'm coming with a heart that says the Bible says the beginning, the the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. And it's not like, oh God, I'm afraid of you, but God, I respect you. When I was a kid, honestly, you wouldn't speak unless spoken to when you were younger. My father would pop me if he was talking to somebody. I'm like, Daddy, daddy, all these kids today, daddy, what are you doing? And I tell them, I walk up to them. Hey, sweet, you're cute. <laughs> Not really, but listen to me. Um, <laughs> you can't be like that with mommy. And I feel for some of your mothers because you have no father in the picture. And I tell, listen, you can't be like that with mommy. That's disrespectful. You have to wait till mommy's done. Right up to those people's kids. Ask Michelle. Excuse me, Michelle. Moosh, don't, don't talk to your mom like that. Because your dad may not be here, but pastor's here. You can't, you can't be like that with mom. What has happened that we can come to God without reverence? When we were younger, we went to private school, and so the girls would, would like, roll up their skirts when they got on the bus. But when they got home, they would roll them back down. Not today. We want to come in God's presence and everything's showing. What is wrong with us? I'm not talking about everything showing bodily. I'm talking about spiritually. Are you here with me today, church? You got to build your life on the word and in the word. Reject this Christianity because nowadays anybody can be a Christian. and, and, and Whatever you want, they'll build a church for it. You want to have the first church of adulterers? Sure, go over there. We'll build a church for adultery. Church for homosexuality? Sure, go over there. Build it over there. Church that accepts abortion? Go, go over there. That's perfect. Over there. I saw a post on Facebook one day. I want to go to a church, but they don't I, I don't. I don't want to hear about premarital sex or abortion. That was sad by itself. What was even sadder was the list of names of churches you can go to. Like God, what, a, what a, is culture going to tell the church how to be? Is culture going to rewrite the Bible, or is the church going to stand up and say, "No, no, 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 we're standing up for what God told us to." We have to build our life on the Word, because when you build your life on the Word, you'll never be the same. Church, Jesus declares that both the wise and the foolish builder endure the storm. Here's the truth. Every person in this room at some point in your life, whether now or later, you're going to face a foundation-shattering storm. Meaning a storm that has the potential to shatter your foundation. Here's point number three, and I'll go into what God is putting on my heart right now. When you're grounded in Jesus, no storm can defeat us. But here's the thing. Here's the scariest thing to me. Both the builders sat in their houses feeling secure on what they had built. If you're sitting here today and you haven't even once questioned your foundation and said, you know, Lord, where's my foundation? If you haven't even once said, God, how is my foundation? If you haven't once, your foundation is bad. Because that's called pride of heart. And there's one thing about being confident, but every week I'm saying, God, is my foundation right? And I'm the pastor, God, I, I know I pray a lot, I read the word a lot, I study a lot, I study 40 hours a week, ask my wife, I'm in the books, ask Pastor John, I'm reading all day. I study. But every, every week, God, is my foundation right? I, I don't want to be outside your heart. And the scariest thing to me is that both these men thought that their foundation was good enough. They thought the house they built was good enough. You know what it's saying? Do, Do you know what it's saying? This thing that Jesus talks about, he says, how great the fall of it was, meaning the house. He's talking about eternity. My God. The storm they face is called death. It's one we'll all face. Understand, he says, the rains fell, beat against the house, Blah, blah, blah. It's the same exact storm for both people. What does it tell us? It's the same exact thing. What is the one same exact thing we're all going to face lest Jesus come? Death. And he's saying that when they stand before the Father, one's foundation wasn't good and one's foundation was. How great the fall of it was. Because eternity at the end of the day is in the balance. I know, I know, I know, I know, pastor. It's January 3rd. We're talking about eternity. Like, are you serious? The, the year just started. I mean, how am I going to make it to the year? I'm telling you, with well, a foundation it's sure. Forget making it to the year. I want to make it to tomorrow. <coughs> I want to make it to Tuesday knowing that I'm standing on solid ground. That I'm walking with God. That I'm living the life that he called me to live. Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 13, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are so few. Those who find eternal life, he says, they're few because the gate is small. It's hard. It's not easy. It takes guts. Well, well, pastor, how do I find this way? How do I find this way? How do I know that I am at the right gate? Because your life is built on the word of God. But if it is not, (laughs) wrong gate. If your life is not fashioned after God's heart, after God's word, you're like the foolish builder who rested in his house securely, rested in his home believing A lie, he had told himself that he was a good person. He was going to make it. Proverbs 10, 25 says, when the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. Jesus knew that scripture. This is what Jesus was alluding to, was was this verse. This is what he was talking about, the wise and the foolish. He says, when the storm is done and when the storm comes, it's the wicked who are gone. What does this mean? It means the foolish person is wicked. They don't please God. And it's not because you're so terrible of a person, it's because you have not fashioned your life and trusted in Jesus and his word as a thing that'll keep you from eternal damnation. <clears throat> you've 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 not allowed Christ to be the centerpiece of your heart and life. But church, when you build your lives. As Isaiah called him, on the Rock of Ages, the Rock that has withstood the test of time. It may sound funny, but the sad thing is the only Rock most of our kids know is the WWE. But have you showed them the Rock of Ages? Have you showed them the Rock that will never fail them? Have you showed them a firm thing in Jesus? Have you shown them Jesus and building your life on what he declares and what he says and how if you do that, that storms may come and they will come and storms will beat against your house and, and they will tear apart at your life, but you will be standing because your heart is planted on the rock of ages. Jesus. The storm may rage and the winds may roar, but we're secure in knowing that we've built a house on Christ built a house that can never fail. But if you build your house on shifting sands, you're like the person who would build a sand castle and come back a week later by the shore hoping it's still there, not realizing the tide and the waves will quickly wash it away. If sand could move under your own body, what will it do in the pressures of a storm? church, I want you to wake up with all your heart and question yourself. Is my relationship with God deep or is it just dope? Am I here for a good time or a God time? Is God really moving in my life? Have I allowed God to fashion my life in him? Am I I in my prayer closet? Do I even read the word? Is this this next three weeks going to be the most Bible I'll read all year long? What is God doing in my life? But to him who builds his life on the rock, on the word, when the storms come, they will beat upon the structure. But because our God cannot be shaken, because our God will not be defeated, because our God is everlasting, because our God is the rock, you would not be moving, you would not be shaken. If you want to have A successful 2016, you've got to build your life on the rock. And what does that look like? It it means being in fellowship with the rock. Jesus said, if any man listens to what I say but does not do them, they're the foolish ones. And so that means that we listen to the word and we begin to put it, somebody say, into practice. Do you want to avoid burnout this year? Do you, do you want to avoid burnout in your walk with God this year? And keep feeding yourself. Because a fire only dies when something stops feeding it. Fire only dies when you can snuff it out. My wife has a candle, and I hate the smell of candles. and I'm going to make a confession right now that every time she turns that candle on and goes to bed, I run to the kitchen, I turn it off. I'm sorry, honey. I love you, baby. She gave me a kiss. I'm not going to die tonight, praise God. Do you know how I turn that candle off? I simply put a top on it. I don't blow the flame out. Some of you are waiting for the devil to blow your flame out. No, you just you just put the top on yourself. And it dies out all by itself because you don't pray. You don't seek God. I don't feel like doing this anymore. My ministry is just like, I feel stagnant. You're not stagnant. Just, you're not praying. You're not reading the word. I've lost my passion. You didn't lose your passion. You stopped fellowshipping with God. So here's what I want to do I want to just ask you about your foundation. And I want you to ask God about your foundation. Because truth be told, that many of you might realize even now that your foundation is on very shifting sands. The truth of the matter is some of you have known it for a while that your foundation was on shifting sands. But it's not about what you know. It's about what you do with what you know. And today's the opportunity to start this year off fresh with God and say, God, I just have i have no desire to be on that. Same thing I was on last year, letting my relationship with you just go in and out, up and down. I just don't want that, God. But I want to burn bright I want to burn strong for you to the glory of the Father. That we'll see God move in your life in a powerful way because you, because you built your life on the rock. I can preach to you till I'm blue in the face, but unless you built your life on the rock, it's useless, church. It's useless. Would you stand with me this early afternoon? From the front to the back. Here's what I really want to do. <clears throat> I'm gonna give these instructions just once. And I've asked, I've even asked the worship team not even to come up today. I'm just gonna have Pastor John and my wife do a, a song because I even want to give the worship team an opportunity to get before God today. Want to give the ushers a chance. I, listen, ushers, you don't have to usher right now. I want you to get before God. And sound team. Forget the soundboard. Get before God. That's what we're here for. We didn't come to be all these other, we came to seek God. Here's what I want to do. As they start singing, I just want you to, to really take inventory of your heart. Take inventory of your life. God, it, what what are you saying to me? God, am I walking away? God, am I in the place you've called me to be? God, is my foundation deep or not? God, am I, am I in trouble right now? I, I, am I on the sands? Is my relationship with you just faltering? And be honest with yourself. you, so you got to be honest with yourself. Well, pastor, why do I want to do this? Because eternity is in the balance. Shifting sands or on the rock. And maybe you're here today and you never made that commitment to Christ. And today we'll we'll pray with you. We'll pray with you. So that you can know Jesus and you can build your life on the rock of ages. That you would not be shaken this year. So for the first, I would say, four to five minutes, I want you to really just don't even sing the song with them. Don't. don't. Say, God, my heart, what is wrong with me? Deal with me. And if you want to step out into the aisle, kneel down, you want to come up to the front, whatever you want, do that. I'm going to, prayer team, whenever you have done what you have to do with God, if you feel led to pray for people, you can stand up here and pray for them. If not, then don't. I want people to deal one-on-one with God today. Because I can't pray you into the rock of ages. You have to live it out. Pastor, that's a really tough sermon. I know. But I love you enough to tell you that those who don't listen to what Jesus says are foolish but those who do are wise. Now I don't know about you but I want to be wise in the heart and the eyes of God. That's my desire. Come on from the front to the back every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I know you're here today. Speaking to hearts, speaking to minds. Lord, today we're inspecting our foundations My heart's desire Father is that you would let your spirit rush into this house. Let your spirit speak to every heart. Father, that you would take center stage. Did I hear it for Pastor Lewis? Did I hear it for none of that? They hear God to inspect their foundations with you. So that this year we can build a firm foundation. Father, speak to our hearts. Father, allow us to be honest with ourselves. I pray that every person is honest with themselves. Honest with themselves. To check our relationship and our foundation with you. And that, Father, if we find that it is lacking, that we would cry out to you and repent for the things that we've not done that you've called us to do the the changes we've not made that you've called us to make. And father if we find that it is good that we would rejoice for your word says the righteous rejoice. Father today we would not be afraid to literally cry out to you in anguish to cry out to you for your spirit to come, for your spirit to move, for your spirit to flow into our hearts and in our lives in Jesus name we pray come on as the worship team comes up would you lift your hands As, as rather just, just send you a passage on our plan and I want you to just begin to pray even to yourself and pray and say God check me God test me God is my foundation right is my foundation wrong God work in me I, I, don't look around don't worry about nobody else today is your day Because when you stand before the Father, it will be just you and Him. And everybody else is for naught. If you want to make your way out into the aisles or the building is big. If you want to lay out, you want to plank out, whatever you want to lay prostrate before the Lord. Whatever you want to do. If you want to come to the altar, come. If you want to kneel, kneel. Whatever you want to do, do it today. God, check me. Check my foundation for your word is not my life.